Today's scripture reading comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 1 through 18. This can be found on page 281 of your Pew Bible. So 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 1 through 18. Verse 10. Verse 1. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when away. I beg that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say, his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. We are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you. For we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that, as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory. But let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. May God bless the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you this morning. Um, Pastor Chuck is actually on vacation today, so he asked me to fill in. He had that small matter of his son uh, getting married yesterday. So even though you see him in the pew, do go say hi to him, but don't talk business to him because he's on vacation. Uh, today and, and will be for the next couple of days, I think. Um, but anyway, you know, it's, it's easy to be very critical of someone when, well, when you're in situations like you're in the company of friends and the person that you're being critical of is not around. Uh, but it may be a very different story when that person is actually present. And I'm going to show you a, a short video clip of, and you can see what happens when uh, New York Yankees fans boo a former player that they think isn't there when in reality he's actually hidden away and can hear everything that they say. So watch what happens.
<laughs> so you can see it's real easy to be critical of someone when you think they're away, but it's a lot harder to be critical of someone when they're actually present. And we're going to hear this accusation a lot today as we get into our chapter uh, in Second Corinthians. So as you heard from the scripture reading, we're in chapter 10 in our series on Second Corinthians. And to review a little bit, Second Corinthians, if you remember, was written by Paul to defend himself against these people who were accusing him of, of different things. He had these opponents who were bringing into question his authority as an, as an apostle, his teachings that he was giving to the Corinthians. These opponents were leading some of the Corinthians astray with their own false teachings, and, and they were uh, just, you know, just viciously attacking Paul. As I mentioned in uh, the last sermon I gave on Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians is actually one of my favorite books in the Bible because it talks about the lengths that a person, Paul, that is Paul, would go through to serve a people that he loves because of the God that he loves, and, and we see that throughout the book. How, how much he just really has a heart to serve these people because of the God he loves. And, and we'll also see that, you know, in our chapter this morning. And so as we get into our chapter, we're going to learn how Paul handled opposition while trying to win back those Corinthians who fell away from the truth. And as we see the manner in which he gracefully handled opposition, it will cause us to consider how our priorities and convictions line up with the Apostle Paul's. From the first few verses, we can see that his opponents accused Paul of doing the same things that we saw in the video. In verse 1, we read how they say, Paul was bold with the Corinthians went away, but timid when with them. See, they would say, you know, it's easy for him to act like this tough guy when he's away from you. He can write all these harsh letters and use all these strong words, but when he's face to face with you, he, he turns into a coward. He becomes very timid. You know, and this argument, as the Corinthians would hear it, would seem very convincing because, once again, you know, we can relate to the people in the video who, you know, they thought they were booing a picture, but then when Robinson Cano was there and they came face to face, they actually, you know, just turned three, you know, uh, turned 180 degrees. And so, though these attacks sounded legitimate, what his opponents didn't realize was this was actually an intentional act of Paul. Because Paul had the conviction to follow Christ's example. And that's the first point that I want to draw out from this passage. Is Paul, when facing opposition, had the conviction to follow Christ's example. So if you have your Bibles open to Second Corinthians, you can look at the beginning of verse 1. It says, By the meekness or humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when away. When I read that, you know, at first I was a little confused. I mean, how does Paul characterize the hum humility or meekness and gentleness of Christ by being timid when face to face, but bold when away? Well, to understand what he means by this verse, we have to think more deeply about the situation that he is confronted with by his opponents. At the end of verse 2, Paul writes about those who think that they live by the standards who writes about those who think that they live by the standards of, the, of this world. Now, when a person is attacked, what would you normally expect from a person who lives by the standards of this world? That he or she would fight back, you know, would defend themselves and, and, and make his, own, make his or own, her own attacks on their opponent. 
But as we see, this isn't what Paul's doing. You know, he may write forceful letters in person, but he doesn't attack. So these false teachers accuse him of being this weakling, this coward. But what appears to be cowardice and weakness to his opponents is actually restraint by Paul. For you see, if Paul were to be bold when he was present with the Corinthians, what that would mean that he would, is that he would actually be pronouncing judgment on the Corinthians and the teachers who fell away. And he doesn't want to do that yet. He does plan on making a third visit to Corinth. And when he comes, he knows that this is the time that he will have to um, be bold and pronounce judgment on the Corinthian people and his opponents. You can see this in places like verse 2 where he writes, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people. Or in verse 6 where he says, We will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Or in verse 11, Such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. So Paul will come to visit them. And there will be a time that he will come, that when he comes, he will judge them. But Paul doesn't want to do this yet because he wants to give all those who have fallen away a chance to repent, to come back into the fold. If you remember uh, from past sermons, uh, various preachers talked about this past letter, this last letter that Paul wrote before Second Corinthians. Paul referred to it as like this tearful letter where Paul was just pleading with the Corinthians to repent to turn away from following these false teachers, to come back to the family. The letters were forward. They may have sounded harsh. Paul writes, you know, also in Second Corinthians, that he apologizes if people were offended by the letters. But as he writes once again in verse 6, once those who will return to obedience is complete, then he will be ready to punish every act of, dis- of, every act of disobedience. So Paul wants to give them time and plead with them to turn back to the right, to come back to the family. He doesn't want to be bold with them yet to pronounce judgment on them. And if this is, if if the way Paul acts sounds familiar, we only have to think about Jesus. He did a similar thing. Think about it. When he came to earth the first time, he came in weakness. You know, if you think about, you know, passages um, written about him in Isaiah, like in Isaiah 53, The author writes, you know, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. The people back then were expecting this king who would come to overthrow the enemy and pronounce judgment, but instead Jesus came in humility or as a weakling, as Paul's opponents might call him. And when Jesus came, he also came preaching this message of repentance, pleading with people to turn away, to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the meekness and gentleness of Christ that Paul is referring to in verse 1. But know that Christ's meekness in his first coming should not be confused with the lack of resolve to judge when he comes the second time. Because when he comes again, we know he will come to judge. 
to bring about and fulfill his redemptive purposes. So in a similar vein, Paul's timidity when he was previously with the Corinthians was actually an act of mercy because he didn't want to pronounce judgment on them. He wanted them to return back, to give them a chance to repent. But when he comes this third time, he will be different. And this to Paul was following Christ's example. And you know, when attacked, the world would tell us to stand up, to be strong, to fight back. But Paul, following Christ's example, would tell us that there is greater strength and a greater confidence exhibited when we show restraint and seek the greater welfare of our enemy because of the cause of Christ. This is also why you can say in verse 3 and 4 that he does not wage war as the world does or fight with the weapons of the world. His weapons are these. His weapons are the truth of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit to convict and turn people from their sins and convict them or convince them from, of right from wrong. This is what he says has the power to demolish divine strongholds, as it says in verse 4. And then a second thing we see Paul doing when facing opposition is that he limited his focus to Christ's standard. Limited his focus to Christ's standard. You see, in addition to calling him a coward, Paul's opponents attacked him in many other ways. They called his authority in the question by pointing out the suffering he went through. They would say, you know, if he was a legitimate apostle, why did he suffer so much in ministry? Shouldn't he be seeing more, more um, results? Shouldn't he be seeing more victories than defeats? If you remember from past sermons that other speakers gave, his opponents questioned the value of his teaching because he didn't accept money from the Corinthians when he came to teach. They questioned the value of his teaching because he wasn't a great speaker and they said he was unimpressive in his speaking. And they just kept going on with things like this. But Paul refused to get caught up with any of this because the, me- the measure, from, well, from his perspective, the measure by which they judged was faulty from the start. In verse 12 he writes, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. In other words, what Paul is telling them is, you know, you're not great just because you say you're great or you have people in your circle who tell you you're so great. I mean, that's just like, like someone like Kanye West saying like he's a god because he sings a song that says, I am a god. You know, Paul would tell them, doing so is just like worthless and just shows how ignorant you are. You know, you may be great speakers. People may give you lots of money for your speaking. People may write letters of recommendation for you. But that's not how you should measure yourself. And so if Paul shades his opponents because they measure themselves by themselves, what is it that he says we should be measuring ourselves to or comparing ourselves to? And he tells us in the next verse, in verse 13, We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us. What he's saying is that instead of comparing yourself to other people, Measure yourself by what you know God has called you to do. For Paul, what that was, what God had called him to do, was to preach the gospel. And in this specific instance, to preach the gospel to the Corinthians. And to the extent that he was faithful in doing so, that's the measure by which he would judge himself. That's why he could write in verse 7 to 8, If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, 
you should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as he. For even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave for built for gave us for building you up rather than pulling you down, I will not be ashamed of it. You see, if you remember, Paul was the one who went to Corinth and initially introduced the gospel to them. He was the one who saw the first converts from Corinth come to Christ, and he was the one who started the first church from this group of converts. This being the case, what Paul is stating stating is, is what should be readily obvious to the Corinthians. He's telling them, if you consider yourself to truly be saved, if you consider yourself to be a child of God, then we must be too, or then I must be too, because I'm the one who shared Christ with you and brought you to faith. To deny Paul would be to deny their own standing in Christ. So no matter what tactics or arguments his opponents tried to throw at Paul to discredit him, Paul wouldn't get caught up in any of this because he knew that he just needed to be faithful in doing what God had called him to do. And he rested in the results that God that he saw God bring about through his work. You know, knowing that he faithfully preached the gospel to the Corinthians, seeing their hearts transformed by the message, there was all that he needed to feel confident in his standing. It didn't matter what his opponents said, didn't matter how they attacked him, he would just judge himself based on Christ and what Christ called him to do. And you know, I think, you know, for us it's, it's real easy to get measured up by the world's standards, to compare ourselves with other people in our status, with our degrees, and our popularity, in our possessions. For Paul, this would be comparing themselves by themselves. You know, even in ministry, we can sometimes get caught up with what the world says is important. You know, we judge our church by how big our buildings are, how many services we have, how, many, how much money we can raise, and so on. But Paul would tell us to take a step back and just solely focus on what Christ has called us to be and do and measure ourselves by that. To the extent that we are being faithful to what God is calling us to do, that's all that matters. And it doesn't matter what, other, what our opponents or critics may say. And then the last way I want us to see how Paul handled opposition is related to the second point. And that is Paul's, the fact that Paul only flaunted in Christ, in Christ's work. Understand that this concept of boasting seems to be a major theme in 2 Corinthians because we see it mentioned several times throughout the book. In this chapter alone, I, as I was reading it, as I was counting, the, a form of this word boast is used eight times in this chapter alone. And when we hear the word boast, we often think of it as a bad thing. But recognize that for Paul, the fact that one was boasting was not the issue at all. Paul didn't see his opponents boasting as a negative thing because Paul recognizes that everyone boasts to some extent. And we can see in this chapter that Paul himself boasts about various things. So the issue then is not one of boasting, but it's what you boast in. Paul's opponents boasted about how great they were, how great other people thought they were. They boasted about the things that they were able to do and the experiences that they were able to have and so on. And know that if Paul wanted to take a similar route, he could have easily done so. You know, for those familiar with Paul, you know in other places of scripture, Paul lists some of the things he 
he could have easily boasted about things like his lineage, his training, how he was faultless in following the law when he was, you know, uh, in, in the when he was a Pharisee. He could have boasted, you know, like in all these things and, and just refuted his opponents by claiming about claiming, you know, things about his accomplishments and his heritage. But he never saw these things as things that he should boast about. He never responded to his accusers in this manner. Why? Because as he quotes in verse 17, he says, Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And to understand what he means by this, we have to understand the main issue that was at stake for Paul. Yes, he was facing all these attacks by his opposition, his opponents were accusing him and, and, and just you know, questioning his authority. But the issue for Paul wasn't defending himself or his reputation. The issue at stake for Paul was the gospel and the salvation of the Corinthians. Paul is passionate in this passage to defend himself to the extent that he recognizes that the Corinthians rejected him is equivalent to the Corinthians rejecting Christ since they are rejecting the message that Paul gave them. So he fights hard to demolish strongholds, as it says in verse 4, and take captive every thought, not because his reputation was at stake, but because the Corinthian salvation was at stake. And let me go on a little tangent here, because this idea of taking captive every thought in verse 5 is, is often taken out of context. You know, maybe some of us have mem- memorized this verse, we look at this verse and say, wow, this is a great verse to help us keep our thoughts centered on Christ. But in context, context, this isn't what Paul is speaking of. He's not speaking of a struggle with his personal thought life, such as you know, him taking captive thoughts of pride or, or things like lust or things like, yeah, or things like that and bringing them in line with what Christ would have him think about. In context, what Paul is writing about is not his, so to speak, his private personal thought life, but more of this public dispute that he's having with his opponents over the gospel and whom God commends. To take captive every thought in this passage means to evaluate every teaching, you know, every lesson that we have about who Jesus is and what it means to follow him, and evaluate it to ensure that it conforms with Christ's character and Christ's purposes. You know, once again, what was at stake for Paul was not his reputation, but it was the gospel and the salvation for the Corinthians. This is why he writes things in verses 14 to 16. We are not going too far in our boasting as would be the case if we had not come to you. For we did not get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits of boasting of the work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our area of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel to regions beyond you. You see, what Paul is saying is that he wants to see their salvation firmly planted within the Corinthians such that it can even extend beyond them so that Paul can preach the gospel outside of Corinth. This is what mattered to Paul. Not his reputation, you know, not what people thought of him. It was the gospel in Christ, in Christ's work on the cross. To Paul's point, you know, boasting itself isn't the issue because like I said before, 
before, Paul would say that everyone boasts in some way. Whether we recognize it or not, whether we do so knowingly or unknowingly, we all boast in different ways. We boast about our degrees, our titles, using social media. We boast about things, you know, in posting pictures. We, We intentionally or unintentionally boast about places we've been, things we can do, things we can eat, you know, the friends that we hang out with. And Paul would challenge us. Why are you boasting about these things? Don't do it. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, as followers of Jesus Christ, I think Paul would tell us, if we are not boasting of Christ and the cross and the gospel message, we shouldn't be boasting at all. That's comparing themselves with themselves. And as Paul says in this passage, this is not wise. So the question is, do people see you as one who boasts in the Lord? What are ways we can make this more evident in our lives and do less of the other boasting we so often do? Once again, Paul reminds us, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So three things. Following Christ's example, focusing on Christ's standard, and flaunting only in Christ's and Christ's work. These were the ways that Paul handled opposition in this chapter. And I think there is much we can learn from Paul's example when facing opposition and even when we aren't facing opposition. My prayer would be that we would get a greater glimpse of Christ in our lives and his work on the cross so that we will want to make much of Christ in our lives, in our words, in our actions, so that others will see this and others will want to know more about the salvation Christ freely offers because they see us as people who only boast in the Lord and only care about what Christ thinks of us and are not deterred by attacks or opposition from people who may want to accuse us of things. May we get this greater glimpse of Christ in our life and all that he is and wants to be for us so that we can make much of Christ and boast only in him, both in words and in deeds. Let's pray. And I thank you for this passage that you give us and the example that Paul uh, gives us to uh, not just handle opposition, but to hold you up as the highest standard and to not make much of ourselves, but to make much of Christ and the cross and the gospel message that comes from this. Father, forgive us for times that we get caught up comparing ourselves ourselves by ourselves and comparing ourselves with the world's what the world would say is the standard for judging ourselves. Let us not get caught up with things that the world say is important, like our degrees or our titles or how much possessions we have or the things that we can do. So let us flaunt only in Christ and boast only in him and his work so that people see that we are yours. And because we are yours, we make much of you. 
because you are what matters in our lives. May this be true for all of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.